Hello and welcome to the Global Thought Podcast, sponsored by the Committee on Global Thought at Columbia University. I'm Vishaka Desai and the chair of the Committee on Global Thought. This is the second half of our two-part special on Afghanistan, Taliban, and the women. So we continue our conversation with Dr. Masuda Jalal, Hasina Jalal, and Kunal Shankar. And I know that you are all waiting to hear about where Afghanistan is today. So I know that Kunal will begin with the question about the current situation in Afghanistan. Kunal? So coming back, coming to now, uh, moving almost a decade forward, are you disappointed with the American decision to withdraw completely from Afghanistan? Because all of this is, did happen after the American-led invasion and uh, the fall of the Taliban government. Well, it could have been gradually done, better planned and better implemented. And uh, it could have been um, uh, the military um, commandership or the military operation could have been handed over in a better way, uh, to a better and logical way to the Afghan military forces. And the support of uh, international forces could have been uh, administered uh, to, um, uh, in a way that uh, Afghan militaries could do their job properly. Although since right. 2014, 95% uh, of the uh, military operation is done by Afghan militaries uh, alone, but it's still, uh, it could have been um, uh, planned in a better way that uh, it, the collapse could have been prevented. Right. So of course, and uh, I mean, the women of Afghanistan and the people of Afghanistan, they are, they are uh, feeling uncertain, they are feeling fearful, they are feeling insecure, and they are, they are desperate, particularly women, that they have lost their jobs, they have lost the girls, have lost their education. I mean, uh, people of Afghanistan lost peace talks in uh, Doha, um, as a result, and they lost uh, the war in Kabul. And all right. of a sudden, everything collapsed and uh, Taliban took over. So what yeah. Taliban can give now to people? What do they have to give to people? 95% of people uh, have no enough food to eat now. Right, right. So do you also, but equally blame the Ashraf Ghani government for the for the situation that Afghanistan is in right now. Um, could, did he not deliver adequately while he was president? Um, did, why, have, why did democracy not really take uh, deep roots? Are there other structural reasons that have been overlooked? Well, I have been um, a critical voice uh, uh, against Karzai government after came out of the cabinet and the Ashrafani uh, government too. Uh, because they were not doing enough to uplift uh, women status in the country. Uh, but uh, of course, uh, um, the leadership were uh, weakened. Um, the leadership of the country, uh, of the government was in failure. There was rampant uh, co uh, corruption. There was nepotism, dissonance, and uh, lots of problems within the um, government that uh, made it increasingly um, weak and weak, and finally collapsed. It was the reasons from inside and the, the, the escape of the president, uh, I mean, uh, made it 
uh, to to face power vacuum and Taliban used that power vacuum and entered the presidential palace and took it over uh, with uh, in a very cheap price, yeah, with no resistance at all. And uh, there was, um, uh, I heard that uh, 300,000 uh, was the number of uh, militaries um, uh, on paper, but in reality, the Minister of Finance of uh, Ashraf Ghani uh, cabinet uh, said after collapse that in the real number was 50,000 to 70,000. So the rest uh, money was uh, from the budget allocated for 300,000 uh, was uh, in corruption uh, among the officers and uh, officials and uh, the leadership of the government. So uh, the, the rampant corruption to that level and to that depth, so means that uh, there is no other way except to collapse. Right. So this was the reason from inside. But there are reasons from outside too, because the uh, priorities, the strategic priorities and political priorities of United States changed. Also, right. uh, we can see the um, uh, factor of Pakistan supporting um, uh, wholly and um, totally the uh, Taliban uh, uh, militaries and also uh, the Pakistan support to take over Kabul, to conquer the Kabul. So we can uh, see um, um, uh, some uh, mistakes from international military forces uh, in terms of uh, um, partnership with the national army is another, um, uh, another issue that uh, contributed to the failure of Kabul and um, uh, 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 Taliban to take over the power. Right. Uh, yeah, I interrupted you when you were talking about what's happening in Afghanistan right now. Do you, I'm sure you've been keeping tabs. Um, what are you hearing? And there, there is a lot of disconcerting news about how now girls have not been allowed um, to attend schools. Women have not, have been asked to stay home. Those who've been working even for the government. Um, the, the Taliban recently clarified saying that um, girls have been allowed to go to school until sixth grade and not beyond. Um, what, what, what more can you tell us about the situation in the country right now? And do you believe that this could better because uh, the, the Taliban, do you, do, do you believe that the Taliban today is a softer version of the Taliban that, that you had known in, in 1996? Uh, well, um, the propaganda was uh, from the uh, long ago when uh, uh, Karzai government and uh, Ashafghani government uh, were uh, helping Taliban, and the propaganda was that they are moderate Taliban uh, when they started supporting Taliban. And uh, I heard that uh, during Karzai government, uh, $600 million uh, is given to them. So, um, so the support to them uh, and also to place them in the northern part of Afghanistan uh, during these two governments took place. So it means that these two governments were helping Taliban to get empowered and to come uh, into the political scenario. They were military fighters, but they became political. And then the Doha, Doha talks and the Doha agreement um, empowered them further. The release right. of 5,000 uh, Taleb uh, empowered Taliban. And also, um, I heard that uh, 
from the um, previous uh, ambassador of Taliban to Pakistan that um, uh, the night on the 15th August, when uh, Ashraf Ghani left Kabul, then he has said uh, that two times um, President Karzai called him that uh, Ashraf Ghani is gone, now enter the city, tell to inform the Taliban to enter the city and enter the presidential palace. So such, um, such a um, story is behind it. Of course, when uh, they took over, uh, they are the same Taliban and uh, there is no uh, change. The women and girls are suffering because women are stopped from their jobs and girls are stopped from education in school. And, um, and the whole people, now the, um, economically the country is collapsing because 95% of people based on the um, uh, statistic that uh, UN WFP has given uh, uh, have not enough food to eat and winter is coming. So um, that's why uh, I said it many times um, during my interviews that humanitarian aid is needed to be given to Afghanistan people. Uh, otherwise there will be a human uh, tragedy uh, so um, the, the situation is that they are the same Taliban and the situation has not been uh, better than late 90s. So I don't know how they continue with uh, unskilled, uh, unqualified uh, fighters, illiterate, jobless fighters, uh, the government, uh, and uh, it will be very difficult for them. And uh, we are calling for inclusivity, but they uh, uh, rejected in Moscow conference uh, recent Moscow conference that the, the, this government is already inclusive and they are not uh, they are not uh, doing it more inclusive. Yeah, so all the ministers, cabinet members belong to themselves. Uh, so one party or one military political uh, group is uh, has taken over everything and is not sharing with other political with other uh, social groups of the society to be more representative and also for the government to become more um, uh, more healthy uh, more moderate and sound so they want extreme ideology to lead and uh, they don't want to accept others so we i think that um, uh, we need a government to be more uh, tolerant and um, a government uh, to be democrat a government to be um, uh, uh, to be able to serve uh, what we expect from a um, a government with with its uh, real meaning. Do you think this can happen in the future? Do you have hope? Uh, well, I hope that uh, they are they are calling themselves uh, acting, acting um, uh, minister or acting uh, government. So this means that they, they accept an international conference or a national grand assembly that um, everybody, uh, all groups can send their representatives to it. And there will be a source of election that um, uh, the better uh, a representative and um, uh, Democrat uh, government can come to the scenario. Otherwise, uh, how they solve the issue of legitimacy how they solve the issue of their recognition, because the world is not recognizing them uh, and, uh, unless they accept to, to, to have a, an inclusive government through a legitimate uh, uh, process, through, through a national grand assembly 
or an international conference. I wanted a couple of things uh, to get clarified as well. One of the countries which was deeply involved in the reconstruction of Afghanistan and has deep cultural ties is India, where I am from and I'm talking to you from. Um, it played a huge role in even um, uh, in, in major infrastructure projects like building the, the parliament, um, the the uh, main hospital of the of the country, uh, and and was seen as a major, was the major funder for most of the works. Are you disappointed with India's response to the current crisis that Afghanistan is facing? Um, as you know well, the country has not granted visas for um, Afghan refugees wanting to leave the country. And there has been uh, a stone silence, in fact, from New Delhi on what its position is uh, on Afghanistan. Well, uh, of course, um, uh, India uh, contributed to Afghanistan peace and reconstruction um, uh, program in the past two uh, decades, like uh, they were contributing $3 billion. Uh, and uh, they, um, they helped a lot uh, during the past two decades. And uh, we people of Afghanistan, we expect India um, as a major holder of the region uh, to take interest and to keep interested and to um, uh, regionally and internationally um, uh, because um, Afghanistan peace and Afghanistan uh, reconstructed, Afghanistan secured Afghanistan will impact the region stability and uh, no country in the region uh, can pull their legs out. So I hope that India keep interested and India can be engaged and uh, uh, contributing uh, to the Afghanistan welfare and uh, future because um, uh, we don't expect Taliban to, to be able to, to run the country. Uh, as I just said that, that um, Taliban is not a, a, a military political group of experts. They consist of uh, unskilled, illiterate, jobless fighters. So they can't, they are not able. So that's why uh, I think countries, uh, powerful countries like uh, India and the region, uh, together with international stakeholders and United Nations, they should come together and they should solve Afghanistan problem forever. A right. sustained solution to this problem we expect. Right, right. I'm going to now come to your daughter, Hasina, who is right now in the United States, who also joins us here. Um, you are Dr. Jalal's oldest daughter. Um, you are right now at Georgetown University. Um, you have been one of the top students back home. You've, you've, um, you've already uh, really been inspired by your mother and her work. Um, you've won a prestigious UN award, the UN Peace Award, um, um, some years ago. Tell us how it's been for you to, to firstly be raised by a mother who has been so much in the public eye, um, and, and particularly if you can reflect on your life as a, as a child when you were back uh, home in Kabul um, and when the Taliban uh, regime fell, if you can remember those times. 
Yeah, um, thank you so much, uh, Kunal and um, Columbia University uh, for having me. Um, I'm honored to share this platform uh, with someone that I uh, have been always inspired by um, and to talk to you and your audiences. Um, looking back, back at my childhood, um, my early memories of childhood was that um, during the Taliban regime, uh, as other Afghan girls, I was not able to um, uh, participate in the public life like boys. I was not able to go to school when I was at an age that I should start school. So fortunately, as both my parents were educated, I could uh, get homeschooled. Um, and then uh, <clears throat> when the, um, uh, the international community came to Afghanistan in 2001 and my mother decided to um, enter politics. Um, uh, it was a major change for us in our family um, in, in many ways. Um, although um, during the Taliban time, we, um, um, we um, used to have um, uh, continuous engagement with the grassroots and public uh, because of the, my mother's work in the UNWFP um, and also uh, my father being a professor in Kabul University. Uh, but what changed was that um, a lot of the political um, um, changes um, and the macro level in the country uh, affected our family and um, uh, um, our life directly. And I could see that um, uh, very clearly. Um, um, some of my early memories were when my parents used to go um, on provincial campaign trips. Um, they were both middle-class uh, people without any political or military support. So, um, uh, so going on campaigns uh, to provinces was very risky to their lives because they didn't have any bodyguards or, or armed um, uh, security measures. And each time when they went to a provincial campaign, I remember my father uh, used to come and talk to me. Um, and uh, give me a, a, sh a short um, uh, half an hour lecture about um, where uh, the house title is, where uh, the important documents are. And um, uh, if they don't come back, uh, whom I need to contact, what I need to do. Um, it was very, very difficult for me to have that conversation each time uh, with him, uh, because as a child, I was uh, I was left with this responsibility of um, being prepared that if they don't come back, what I need to do. And my siblings who are younger than me, uh, a sister, I have a sister and a brother. Um, unfortunately, they were also, um, I had to also take care of them in this, uh, during these times. And even when my parents were campaigning in, in Kabul, um, they, they used to come in the middle of the night and we didn't have our close relatives in Afghanistan because majority of my mother's side, they chose to leave Afghanistan during the Soviet war and they were all living abroad. And um, from my father's side, his brothers were all killed by the, um, during the war. Um, by different regimes, so he didn't have anyone. Um, and, and so uh, the only one that uh, my father could uh, trust was me, <laughs> that he could share his uh, 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 whereabouts and, and things. Um, th that was a, a, a major memory that I have. Um, and then, of course, growing up, 
as uh, as my mom uh, explained um uh, the, one of the biggest reasons that she was marginalized uh, and my father who also happened to work in government as deputy minister for higher education uh, he's also very well educated he has a phd in law and political science have been a professor um, in the, one of the major universities in afghanistan um, he also was not corrupt um, and he both were against the corruption and um, the conservatism and fundamentalism of the government and major political uh, leaders in the country. So both were marginalized and the impact that that had in our life was um, in our both personal and public life. Economically, um, I would say that I grew up uh, as an ordinary girl. Um, uh, the house that my father uh, owns now uh, and my parents, the only house that they own now uh, was the house that my father uh, was uh, given as a professor before they got married, um, an apartment. Um, although they have worked in high level positions in the country past in the past two and a half decades, but that's the only property they own. So that uh, gives you um, uh, a clear picture that um, they were not corrupt and they, the only income uh, they had was their salaries uh, from the jobs that they had, which majority was spent on the people. They were in our culture, we Afghans, we are very hospitable. So. Uh, and, and we received a lot of uh, guests uh, on daily basis. I don't remember having one time of meal alone as family. We all always had uh, people visiting us, uh, mostly without telling us, you know, they would just come and, and we accept them. So, so economically, I didn't grow up as the daughter of a minister or a deputy minister. I had to work very hard um, to get scholarships for my education as an undergrad in the graduate school. And so far, um, uh, during my studies in India, I got a scholarship from the, um, due to, due to uh, scoring a high uh, score in the national uh, college entrance exam in Afghanistan, Concord, by the Ministry of Higher Education. And I got uh, my MBA supported by the American University of Afghanistan. Again, my Fulbright scholarship here in the US was supported by the Fulbright program. So, and, and currently also now that I'm in Georgetown, it's um, supported. So, so that's uh, one uh, part of uh, uh, my life that I lived an ordinary Afghan girl's life. And I so much understand the struggles, um, uh, economic and political um, and social struggles that uh, girls go through in Afghanistan um, in the intersection of your identity. Being a girl, uh, your gender plays a role, uh, how you live um, uh, in Afghanistan and your nationality as an Afghan and, um, and, and all of that. You know, you, you mentioned about your father coming up to you and showing you the house titles and where everything is. I mean, you were 10 years old. You weren't, you weren't even 10 years old back then. What did you make of that? You, you probably couldn't even understand what those documents said. How, you know, I mean, I'm, 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 trying, to, I'm trying to picture myself in that position and I, I didn't know what I would have done. <laughs> and you had two, two siblings who are younger. What went through your mind when in those years as you were, you know, you, you were going to school. The next day you still had to go to school um, when after your parents did this. How did you manage doing that? To be honest, um, uh, it, I, I, I wouldn't say I managed it. I, I just had to help my um, 
parents because they didn't have any other option. As I said, they didn't have anyone to trust in that level. No relatives, no siblings. Um, everybody was out of Afghanistan. Um, they couldn't, uh, you know, share sensitive information with a neighbor or a, a friend. Uh, so my father, he invested a considerable amount of time um, uh, in, in training me to be uh, their representative in the house when they are not. And uh, I was a very clever child. Um, although it was very emotionally and mentally uh, difficult for me, but I could see that uh, how their activism, their political activism uh, is bringing change in people's lives. Even during the Taliban time, when my mother decided to stay in Afghanistan, we could uh, go to Australia and get a citizenship right away because it was uh, um, invited by the UN headquarters in Kabul. And she decides to stay. That definitely impacted my life. I couldn't go to school. I was homeschooled. I was always questioning why the boys in our uh, uh, neighborhood they always go to school what is school and what is it like why we are not allowed and sometimes Taliban chased me as a kid uh, uh, for um, uh, quote unquote uh, not wearing the clothes that they wanted I was as you said under 10 so um, what can a child uh, wear that it can uh, make them angry but um, but still uh, I we supported my mother's decision because we could see that people were dying. They were in very bad um, economic situation. And her activism, uh, we could see how these programs and projects um, uh, were supporting women and women-led households. They used to come to her directly to our house and talk to her that your, your um, project that I am a, a part of has uh, supported me in this way and that way and my um, children. So seeing that we could not uh, be, uh, even as a child, I couldn't be selfish and say that, you know, I want a better life for myself. And uh, during her political activism and campaigns and um, all of that, it, it did put us, uh, me and my siblings and my father, he has been on record saying that he was also against this candidacy because um, my mom was working in the UN. She had a, a good salary that was supporting us. Uh, but after she ran for office of president in 2002, for the next two years, she was jobless. Uh, so right. that also put us economically in a bad uh, situation. And the risk that was associated, everybody else who was running, they were either um, uh, previous um, uh, uh, warlords or uh, they had their political uh, support from neighboring countries or the regional and international powers. And they had lots of money. And we, as a middle-class family, uh, we came to um, uh, with a hope that we will be able to bring the change that we want and exercise our democratic rights. And, and, and. so to answer your question, um, it wasn't easy, but we saw why we need to do it. And we saw um, afterwards also the, um, the impact of our sacrifice. So, right. so that was our drive to continue. Right. As you said to me in our earlier conversation, you had to grow up. Yes, I had no option but to um, support my siblings who were uh, more dependent on me. And I had to grow up from very, very early uh, age. Um, I had to take care of them when my siblings, my parents are not there. 
I had to, and that became a habit of mine. Uh, to, now that when I look at look back, even now, um, uh, they are in in Holland, and I'm in the U.S. And when they were in Afghanistan, also, I I have become very protective and um, uh, very much. Um, I have continued that relationship, uh, uh, not only to them, but that instilled an emotion in me that um, I need to uh, be supportive of others, and um, so it's still um, it, it is still there. Right, right. I wanted to come back to Dr. Jalal and um, ask you this question. Where do you see yourself now in the political process in Afghanistan and how do you see yourself participating in the future? Um, do you have a vision for what, what you think you should be doing now? Well, um, yeah, recognition uh, of current political settlement uh, is um, uh, is very important issue that uh, can can uh, pressurize the the Taliban uh, to sit uh, for a um, deal, political deal. So um, I think that um, inclusivity. Um, and equality uh, would be uh, the condition. So I, uh, Afghanistan women deserve to have 30% of political power. Right. So in this political deal, I am proposing 30% of political power should be taken um, for women. They deserve right. it, it's their rights. They suffered more than any other citizen in right. the country during the war and conflict and afterwards. So, so you, yes. Have you, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. Have you been able to effectively convey this as, as a former women's affairs minister, as someone who has been politically active and has that resonated, do you believe, with the Taliban government right now? Uh, well, um, to, to say to the international um, decision makers, I need uh, to be connected. I'm in exile here, and I'm not connected to the international decision makers and regional decision makers. Right. To, to say it, we deserve it, we Afghan women. Uh, we should be given our rights, and um, we should take it. Right. And uh, we should take it by the help of international community, by the help of United Nations. Right. If there is a time, if, say, the Taliban comes around and accepts some of your positions, at least, um, say, allowing women to work, say, allowing girls to go to school, say, some women's participation in the political process, do you see yourself going back if, say, the Taliban extends an olive branch? Uh, well, um, this, the Taliban government is not acceptable and it's not uh, trustable. So if there is an inclusive government uh, with the help of United Nations and international community where all regional and uh, international stakeholders are there to make a decision for government, uh, so uh, then, then it will be trustable for Afghan women politicians and political leaders to go and get engaged and serve Afghan democracy. And until then, you see yourself in Europe 
um, probably canvassing to ensure that you're able to bring about this umbrella uh, governance that you're talking about, where which is backed by the United Nations, backed by the international community, and 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 potentially even overthrowing the Taliban as you, as as they're right now. Yes, this process was uh, going on before uh, the collapse of uh, Kabul. Uh, that um, even in uh, uh, the peace talks in Doha uh, was ended up to have an international conference in uh, Ankara, in Turkey. And the Turkey Ministry of Foreign Affairs uh, was uh, preparing and they were asking for three weeks uh, time to prepare and to have this international conference uh, held there uh, to make uh, uh, elected inclusive government and um, then transfer the power from uh, Ghani government uh, with uh, Ghani re uh, resignation to this new government. But since um, uh, President Ghani escaped, there was a power vacuum and Taliban took over completely. So now they need, uh, they need recognition. So for recognition, the international community uh, with the leadership of United Nations, they can come together uh, through an international conference and make that uh, inclusive government with participation of 30% of power belonging to women happen. But so, would you be um, okay with the Taliban being part of that process is the question I'm asking. I mean, you, you sort of said that the Taliban right now is a, you're not happy with them as they are, but if you, in this position that you're proposing, if the Taliban is part of the process, would that be acceptable for you? Well, um, what was going on in uh, July, in June and July, that uh, those uh, Taliban uh, who is not in blacklists yes. um, of UN and international community, those are um, uh, moderate and sound. Uh, they yes. could represent a Taliban group in this inclusive government for peace, yes. to have peace in the country. So it was the process. So that process uh, can be followed up uh, with the uh, support of international community um, and United Nations, and it can replace the current political settlement. And then Afghan women uh, political leaders can join and uh, take part in the leadership of the country for the benefit of all citizens, particularly women. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Jalal. This has been quite a conversation. Um, you know, I, I, I think this deserves to be um, probably listened to in full um, for the person you are, for the sort of fight you're leading. And, um, and good luck to you. And I'm sure your daughter Hasina and the children are at least relieved that you, you're safe in Europe um, and you'd be leading your fight from there. Um, it's been a privilege speaking to you, and thank you uh, to Columbia University and the Committee of Global Thought, uh, which is where I studied, for offering me this opportunity to interview the both of you. Thank you, Hasina, and thank you, Dr. Jalal. Okay, thank you so much, too. Thank you, Columbia University, for this opportunity to, uh, for our voices to be, to be heard.